0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Just The Fitness Tip and this week we have a brilliant episode lined up for you. We are joined by Tim and Jacko from the School of Calisthenics.
1: Mitch, I don't know about you, but I was never really interested in school, but Mitch, if this (laughs) was what school was all about, I'd be there daily. It was a really good chat, wasn't it? It was really good. Uh, I'm an avid listener of the School of Calisthenics podcast, go and give that a listen uh, if you can and we just kind of explored their approach to fitness. For anyone doesn't know calisthenics, essentially body weight movement, and we'll get into that in the episode, but the guys are so much more than that. Uh, and we go into this idea of training through play, uh, using unconventional methods, things like why do you train, what are you fit for, how those guys, uh, it's particularly Jacko, how he started off as a pro rugby player and how that influenced his entry into fitness. And they give us a little bit, uh, some fitness tips, if you will, on how to be better fitness podcasters, don't they, Mitch?
0: It's uh, very on brand. They do. It was it's, as I said, it was a great episode. Uh, you can check out all of their uh, information in the bio of this podcast episode. Uh, we'll link to kind of their website, social media handles, so you can go check them out. And also, this week's episode is sponsored, as always, by Grams Edinburgh. Uh, the team at Grams have given us a 20% discount code for meal prep. So if you head over to their website, check their meal prep out, and type in the code just the tip in the checkout, you'll get a nice 20% off.
1: I always laugh at that, but <laughs> always.
0: Great guys well I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as always if you enjoy it please share it on social media Check it on Instagram Twitter wherever and we would love to reshare your posts enjoy the episode. Hello everybody and welcome back to episode 73 of Just the Fitness Tip with Michael Ujoa and Jason Auld Edinburgh's number one fitness podcast. Today we are joined by Tim and Jacko from the School of Calisthenics. How are you doing guys? We're good, thank you. Well, Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm well. Good, I know. So there's four of us in a call. This is the first time we've done kind of like a four-way podcast interview. Uh, the quadruple. There we go. So um, yeah, we'll we'll try and give everyone time to speak and we'll try not to speak over each other. But first of all, I guess um, we'll let you both introduce yourselves. I don't know if you have like a, a joint intro you want to do or if you want to Peace go back. individually. It's up to you guys.
2: A set so, piece. Uh, we, we have no set piece. <laughs> Jacka, you go first. Uh, now you go. Oh, see, so he's probably a gentleman. <laughs> um, my name Tim Stevenson. I've been a strength and conditioning coach for the last 12 years. Um, life before that, I was a scuba diving instructor for a while, worked a bit in sports development. Um, Strengthening conditioning career was predominantly spent or is predominantly spent still with working in Paralympic sports um, and started playing around with calisthenics about seven years ago because I'd had multiple shoulder dislocations, um, two surgeries, couldn't get my shoulder to stay in place and thought that if I learned to handstand, that would be a good idea. because it might showed me that I've got a stable shoulder. Um, that was I was on holiday in South Africa with my wife at the time, and came back rope Jacko into it. And the school of calisthenics was a very organic, accidental thing that started off the back of me and Jacko basically just pissing about in the gym. That's my stock intro. I like
0: it all yours, Jacko.
3: <laughs> yeah. That, um, so uh, yeah, my so Jacko David Jackson um, and I. Past life was a professional rugby player. Um, played in the championship uh, over 300 games, and had a head injury back in 2013, which was probably my tenth or there or thereabouts, um, sort of concussion. But this last one, uh, I had a seizure on the training field from just a very innocuous knock. Uh, but it was a, a build-up of this that, uh, that that my brain just couldn't handle anymore. Anyway, I had to had to retire. Difficult time for me during that period. Um, but at the same time, that's when I met Tim through a friend of ours um, that goes to the same church as us, introduced me to Tim because as I was having to change, career, like retire from rugby, um, even though I was 31 when I retired. So I was coming to the end of my year career. But I just signed a new two year contract. Um, but I yeah, so I needed a new career. Um, I didn't want to go. I'm a qualified teacher. I've got a master's in engineering, but I didn't want to go down those routes. I wanted to use the sort of experience from from that I'd learned playing sport and to try and I felt like I had something to offer to help that with others um so Tim was just doing as a strength and conditioning coach I um I went through and, and qualified as a strength and conditioning coach and joined Tim's sort of coaching team uh, with the, that previous company working in Paralympic sport um and sort of under the tutelage of Tim built up that experience uh, for a couple of years there um and at the same time got into yeah got roped into calisthenics for tim i was bored of i it took me a year to run without having like all my head injury symptoms or headaches and stuff um but once i was able to get back training i always thought i'd just lift weights like because i loved lifting weights when we were playing rugby but what i realized was it was the fact that there was a game at the weekend is what inspired or motivated me to lift to lift weights and train hard whereas i thought i just loved training so when that was taken away i didn't actually enjoy training that much i remember being in the gym doing bicep curls looking at myself in the mirror and i was like what are you doing?" Like you one, you're bored. Two, why are you doing bicep curls? And three, like, you could do anything in the gym, and you're doing the same stuff you'd have done before. So Tim starts messing about with handstands and uh, and human flags, and I was very much like human flag. I was like, that is me. Like, like. But at first it was very much like I've never seen anyone actually do it. I've only ever seen a photo. So is it actually real? Is it photoshopped? How on earth does someone even do that? And then we start. We we literally figured some of this stuff out in the first instance by just messing about by just trial and error just trying stuff in the gym um and and as tim said it got it just got to the point where people had said to us it just what are you doing you're just two two are just pissing about no one was doing handstands no one was trying anything in our gym it was we were in and amongst all the machines just hanging off them and and whatever um that's all changed now but um back then that's what it was like and we were rubbish because we had no idea what we were doing. My first frog stand, where you balance your hands and your elbows, your knees on your elbows, ended in a faceplant, um, which wasn't very good when you were coming from an injury. But um, it, when we, the same people that were observing us, like just messing about, once we were actually able to do some muscle ups and human flags and handstands and stuff, it was they knew that we were coaches, um, and they they knew we sort of had this special in para sport. But they were like, you know, that cool stuff you're doing, like could you could you teach us so we put on we put on our first workshop and as tim said it just organically snowboarded um from there it was just cool like sharing that new stuff with people that we'd been on this journey of beginners to figuring it out and then we refined our process so we didn't just make people piss about to mess about to to do it we refined that process and as, as the years have gone on we've refined it further so now when someone comes in as a beginner the you know everyone's different so the progress is different and we really I don't like the question of how long is it going to take me to learn x because we just don't know but all we what we do know is that we've refined that process so much now when someone does come in through the door on day one them getting them getting to where they want to get to in terms of their goals um
1: is uh, happens an awful lot quicker than when we look. That's what I love about you guys, actually. So I'll, I'll get all the kind of sycophantic stuff out of the way early. Uh, but I've been following you guys for ages and ages. Uh, and I work in a gym in Edinburgh called Primal Gym, which I think you guys actually did a workshop at uh, a few years ago. Um, so we do calisthenics there. It's also like a Ninja Warrior gym as well. So we do okay, a lot yeah, of obstacle yeah. stuff. Um So um, I was kind of introduced to you guys through the calis- uh, calisthenics um, element. But the thing that kind of kept me... Uh, hanging around was just your approach to training. More specifically, I love that quote that Tim has, which I know he's probably, I think it's sometimes cited as Albert Einstein or someone who which <laughs> is play is the highest form of research. I always I always cite Tim um, so you can know that, that you, you've done good work there. Um, but play is the highest form of research. And I love this idea of uh, training through play. And it's very much a philosophy that I um embodying my training but what i wanted to ask you guys was obviously both of you starting out uh tim you played rugby too if i'm correct yeah yeah? um so starting off um in a conventional sport um i know you know when i was at school i played rugby um very badly but it was my introduction to i guess what you might call like formal exercise you know it was the first time I'd lifted weights it was the first time and it was something that was a bit more regimented and programmed and it was probably incredibly dangerous and really bad for me it picked up some terrible habits because the way that I learned was looking at the older guys and just basically doing three sets of eight of chest press and some abs Um, So really what I wanted to ask you guys was, obviously now that you're in this more, um, you know, varied, more um, holistic uh, approach to training, how did um, starting off in rugby influence your initial uh, entry into exercise and fitness? Uh,
2: That's a good question. I think, if I'm honest, when I was playing rugby, and I don't know whether I missed the boat in this or not, but when training wasn't a huge thing like I'm, I'm I turned 40 um last week so when I grew up going through school and, and we, I was playing local club rugby I was not a great rugby player by any stretch um but I loved it and I was like all in for well from age about 10 onwards about 27 I think uh no sorry 30 yeah yeah about 30 odd when I probably stopped um but the but we weren't at school, we weren't into lifting weights. And we didn't we had a little weight room at the gym. But I mean, I started at the club, sorry, but I, I kind of started getting into the gym a bit when I was 16. My transition to, into calisthenics was was more influenced by what I'd done as a strength and condition coach. So after my last shoulder dislocation, I decided that's it, I can't hack this anymore. I was trying to get into a new career in strength and conditioning, and having a bust shoulder was just and also just getting beaten up at the weekend was making lifting weights around the gym pretty hard I'm not a big guy so I was just getting flipping pummeled by fat old men and um, that was the level I was playing at um so I'd kind of gone through a lot of my strength and conditioning career probably six or seven years before we started transitioning to, into calisthenics so I'd played around with different forms of training I'd done hypertrophy training I'd, I'd learned to Olympic lift for my accreditation I'd done power training I'd, and I kind of gone through this spectrum and i got to the stage where i was like i'm just bored because now now i can squat deadlift and press to a reasonable level or whatever it was those basic foundation movements single arm double arm whatever i was going in the gym and i'm like well should i do 12 reps today for a bit of strength endurance or should i do five and, and i'd do five for, for a few weeks thinking i'd get i'd do some max strength training and i'd be like oh, i'm a bit bored of this now because it's just the same thing over and over and over and when you can deadlift like it's just i got bored so the transition into calisthenics was all of a sudden like this is properly playtime. This is this is strength based work. I get the same buzz that I get from from lifting, from being physical for getting stronger, but it's completely challenging me. And I got humbled. Like I, I'm am a reasonable athlete. Like I always say, I never found my sport. I don't think that I could have been good at. I'm 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 pretty athletic in a, in a general broad base of skills. So actually, calisthenics lent itself quite well to my skill set. I'm small. I'm light. Um, I've got a good strength to weight ratio. I like moving in different ways. So all of a sudden, I kind of found my thing. I was like, oh, I could be actually decent at this. And that's relative, right? Because there's people in the world who are way, way better than I am. Um, but yeah, it was, it was was rugby, I don't know that rugby massively influenced it, apart from it made everything more difficult because my shoulder was likely to fall, fall out of its place. Um, so it was, it was more negative than positive, I think.
0: Also, I I guess we should probably just strip it back because I know there's going to be a few people listening to this podcast who don't actually know what calisthenics is. So can you guys kind of give just like a little snapshot uh, for our listeners that aren't quite
2: sure? Uh, yeah, so we're effectively talking. I, I like to use the word progressive bodyweight training because people talk about bodyweight training and they go, all right, what well, squats and um, push ups? Like, well, it goes a bit further than that. So if, if we're talking about progressive bodyweight training, we, we're thinking about going from, yes, those fundamental basics pull ups, push ups, dips, bodyweight, kind of like lower body exercises, variations of those. And then we, we start thinking about the specific movement side of things. You want to go towards a handstand, muscle up, human flag, different sorts of levers. But then there's also the other side of it where Jack and I are really passionate about is what we call strength and play, which is just, okay, you can do pull-ups, but can you do an archer pull-up, which is where you're going to come up to one side particularly. So it's almost like a, almost moving towards like a single arm kind of variation or a tight ride. So you're going to pull come up and pull yourself across the bar. Um, the first person that, that Jack and I ever really got exposed to in calisthenics was Frank Medrano. And that, if you watch his like training, same videos, some of like. The, the ones that have got millions of views that strength and play built in with some some calisane so he's he's a that was a, it's an iconic video that just changed my philosophy and i thought i thought i knew training and i saw that and i was like oh, i can't even move like i can do a deadlift but i can't do any of that stuff like why can't i do that and then i tried it and i was realized like i'm not strong enough so it's one of the things I like most about calisthenics is it properly humbles your ego. You have to start at the beginning. You have to earn the right to progress. You can't just cheat it by compromising form to get an extra two and a half kilos on the bar. It, it makes you work for it, and I, I really like that. Yeah,
3: I think the other th- the other thing that's nice about it as well is that it it along those lines is it expose it exposes you, but at the same time, teaches you about your body. Because as Tim Tim says, you you see something, you try and do it, and you go, and then when you can't do it, it's like why can't I do Why can't I do that? I thought I should be able to do that. And it might be strength or it might be movement or it might be coordination. It might be, you know, it could be any number of things, but then you get to understand yourself more, understand how your body moves more. What are your restrictions? What things are holding you back that are going to open up doors? Yeah. To do that thing that you're after, but also it'll open up other athletic sort of doors and movements and things. And even, even we talk a lot about like the mind, the brain, like when you our strap line of redefine your impossible, when you live and breathe that, it it changes the way that you think there as well mentally about things, it's not just your training, but you use training as the vehicle to go, well, I remember when I couldn't do a human flag and I genuinely thought it was impossible. I thought it was Photoshopped. Now I can do it. So I know I, even just that one thing has taught me that when I think something is is impossible, that it might not actually be impossible because I've got living proof of that thing that I've done it is. And that might be then... I don't know. Like, look. I said. About, I said. I said we wouldn't talk about coronavirus. So I'm just trying to think of something big outside the world that's got nothing to do with training. But look at something that feels like it's impossible. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? How are we going to cope with this? And we know that like things that seem impossible, they they can be done. We've done them with our training. The training has been the vehicle to to teach ourselves that.
2: I mean, just to illustrate um, that point it was like the first time we did it, I did a handstand and it happened in the gym as well when I put my hand on the floor I didn't know if my shoulder was going to stay in place when I tried to do a handstand I, I was my, my, my wife is from South Africa they've got a, a place down near um Cape Town called Hermanus, and they've got a deck that overlooks the sea And I said so right I'm gonna go out and train I went outside and I came back in after about 45 minutes having tried badly to do some handstands and she was like how'd it go I'm like well my shoulder's still in place so I'm going to take that as a success that's how bad it was when we started.
3: Yeah, I, do, I, I love that. I, sorry, go uh, I was it. just going to throw it that just Jason's question about like rugby. Um, how did that influence our training potentially? And I think one... the fact
1: that you started with Jack or with the the old uh, anecdote about you staring into the abyss while doing bicep curls, I think that <laughs> tells us a lot about it. Yeah, well,
3: there's there's the the there's the other side. There's the sort of two other sides to it. Um, one is that as a as a sport like a contact sport like rugby where you uh you train yourself to be to get tight in order to be able to take impact anyone that plays a contact sport will know like you have your off season where you have, might have like six weeks off and then we might have like a load of conditioning work for another few weeks and then it might be like 10 weeks until you do a contact session again and the first contact session back feels horrific because you you've had a probably two and a half months of decondition to to some of that contact now, I crack I'd hate to take it, I'd hate to do a contact session now because I'm so deconditioned to it. But what it what that meant though was when I wanted to do um, a human flag, one of the biggest things that was restricted me, not only was I not strong enough and, and didn't have the patterning to be able to do it, I didn't have the flexibility through my shoulders and my spine to get into a decent position to even allow myself the chance to hold that shape. So as I was saying before, it like it teaching you. It, it it shows you like I didn't think I was that tight before and then you try some do some of these things and you go okay actually I need to address this I need to do something about it the difference being when you're uh, from a mobility or flexibility range of motion point of view if someone says to you like I used to pull my hamstring like loads of times when I was playing rugby and I was told to do stuff to my hamstrings but I didn't because it was just it, it was boring um, whereas improving my shoulder range of motion still sounds quite boring but when it's like it's so you can do your human flag. I'm like, yeah, i no problem. I'll do that. I'll do that every day if it's going to help me do my human. Do you know what I mean? It, it keeps you motivated and keeps you consistent with it. Um, so rugby, our background in rugby in terms of training, will have um, a lot of those movements, whether in the, whether on the field, were not helping us to be flexible. And then in the weight room, um, you know, I was, I had experience with some fantastic strength and conditioning coaches, but it was all very specific towards obviously rugby. And it wasn't looking at like all these different sort of movement options that you have in calisthenics now. So um, the eyes were very much opened up to this like opportunities of basically you can try anything you want to do. Um, but so it didn't really, it wasn't a great starting point because Tim over his discate shoulders, I, one of my, I've had a number of broken bones and things, but in terms of my, I broke my scapula, coracoid and chromium. So I broke my scapula in two places and separated AC joint, which is, was never operated. They just left it. They said, we may as well just leave it because if we we can attach your AC joint again, but it's just going to pop off next time we try and tackle someone. So we'll just leave that. And I was like, okay. Um, so we started this thing tight from rugby, broken from rugby. Like, So it, it, I, I, I laid that out just so that people can understand that when you see how Tim does his planche and his handstands and his things now, like it wasn't it wasn't like that. And so if you... You know, if you're starting from a point of being a bit broken, like come and join the club because that's exactly where we started as well. But the one thing about the rugby mentality that did help. So my final thing was when we were trying to do a human flag, very early doors, the first time Tim put his bottom arm down onto the to the bar in the gym, he went, Mate, this is the type of position my shoulder would dislocate in. Now I didn't know him very long. I'd only known him a couple of weeks or something by this point. And um I'd never, when I've, I, he's never dislocated his shoulder since I knew him. So I know he'd said it, but I just didn't have any uh, concept of that. And I've since actually seen people dislocate their shoulder and I've had to help try and help someone get one back. It's horrific. But so at the one, time, one
2: of our workshops just,
3: a friend that's a rugby player, a friend that's a rugby. Um, but uh, so I say to Sam, at him and I'm like, I, I'm like, Button up, princess, like just flipping, shut up, have a get on with it. And like, because my rugby mentality was if something hurt, tape it up, or if go and see the physio, and if it still hurt, take a big red pill and that'll turn, get through the game and then get to the next week. Like, that was the rugby mentality. And so, I do give the rugby mentality, although it's held back probably everything else for me moving forward, I do give it the credit that we may well have. Because if I'd have known Tim and I didn't have that rugby mentality, I'd have said, Well, don't do that. Let's not do human flags. If you're going to dislocate your shoulder again let's just go and do the leg press machine something something safe and something simple so i do give it a little bit of credit that it it probably uh, allowed us to to try some of these things out and um, god willing it didn't pop out
0: i mean it must have been
3: so bizarre as well
0: um I- kind of going from a rugby background where you're kind of a lot of the time although you're training for strength on the field like a lot of the time people are training for physique especially and it, it must be quite a strange transition going from that to doing body weight work because I know that a lot of guys are really scared to actually do anything new because they're worried that that progress that they've worked so hard at within the gym for the last few years decades even and um, they're worried they're going to lose it all so how did like other people that you regularly trained with react to you wanting to change up your training that way and how did you find that switching to a calisthenics-based program uh, kind of impacted your physique?
2: Yeah, that's a great question and a great mm. point because I, I went through that exact process. So I started in um, in December of, of, in calisthenics and I've got a decent training history behind me and as I said, I knew my way around a training program, how to write one. So I wanted to try calisthenics and I said to myself, I'll give myself three months and if I lose all my gains, which were like modest anyway I love this um, <laughs> if I'm lose them all and I, and I don't like the way that I look and I don't like it I'm just going to go back and I, I know enough to get back to where I was so I was like I give it three months that was seven years ago and I haven't done an upper body weight based session since um my body has changed my physique has changed but gosh like give me like, would I would I sacrifice or would I rather have maybe an extra two kilos of muscle mass or all the stuff that I can do now? No question about it. I would take this every single time. And, and, and I think in my mind, like I probably I'm probably not as bulky. I was never big, but like your physique just becomes a bit more athletic. And, and anybody who's worried about whether body weight training is, is going to change your physique in a way that you don't like, just pop onto YouTube and have a look at the American gymnastics team and tell me that they don't look good um, and look at what they can do. But a bodybuilder physique might look good. But there's not a lot of people who manage to have a high functioning physique who actually can do a lot because what's what's bodybuilding about creating tension, you get tighter um, and it's it's often in very sort of um, repetitive, fairly rigid patterns. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my thought on that one. Just if you are interested in, in having a go at it, just give it some time, because the sense of, of everything that comes with calisthenics, for me, at least massively outweighed whatever enjoyment it was I was getting from being slightly Bulkier, I suppose.
3: Well, I, I'd, I'd like. I've known you since, since you made that transition, and I would say you look better now. But, Thanks, Dave. but, and yeah, just a little bit of
1: man love. But, um, people aren't used to this. Me and Mitch usually insult each other. We're
3: like, we're like two pathetic, <laughs> like guys who just compliment each other.
2: Um, not pathetic, Dave. Come on. sorry
1: but, uh, no you're modern men, modern, modern men
3: yeah, modern we're in touch with our emotions, um, and we like affirmations but the but the, one of the really important messages from us on that is, however, like me saying that is not just trying to make Tim it's just like genuine. people if you've seen a picture of Tim with his shit off it's it becomes less it's fewer, fewer and farer between, but there's still plenty in the archives like he's got a hell of a I so sure like,
1: want to go and search
3: them out you don't, you, but you don't. Look, you don't look and go oh I bet that guy doesn't lift weights what generally happens is people ask us at workshops like so what weights do you do as well because they can't be- and then their face is like what do you mean you don't do any upper body weights they can't they can't fathom it and so but one thing one thing on the image thing is we we believe it's far more important of what we can do with our and Tim sort of touched on it there like what can you do with your body rather than how it looks like not just physically that's important but more so mentally that's important that that you're not just so focused on like how I look and that dictating your like your 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 happiness and your your mental state or your your state of mental well-being um and then from a from a training point of view the fact like resistance training is resistance training we don't have the conversation about the dumbbells like in our old gym there was like some dumbbells that were metal and there were some dumbbells that were that were like rubber and the two ones are both 12 kilos, no one would say, and you everyone's going to think. Was, no one would say, well which one is which of the 12 kilo ones are better? You might like the feel of one, but they're no different because it's the same weight that's going to give us the same resistance. We can use body weight as our resistance and we can gen- it can be resistance training and therefore we can generate the same result of the fact that we're, we're still doing resistance training. How you overload progressively changes because you don't just want the 12 kilos are easier you go and then pick up the 14s. We have to be more creative and manipulate our body and or the training environment in how we are. So our body angles, our body positions, et cetera, to do that. But having, having the opportunity to be creative with our training and how we do it, like that's just an added benefit I see of rather than a, a hindrance or a, you know, sometimes it's like, I don't want to think about what I'm doing. I just want a simple like weight training program to follow. But I would say there's there's something amiss in the rest of your life that means that when you go to train, you don't want you don't want to be creative
1: you don't want to have that freedom This is probably a good segue, Jacko. Sorry to cut you off. Um, Because it's something that I wanted to talk to you guys about. Obviously, I touched on um, the kind of mantra uh, that we spoke of about Tim talking about play. And I know that that's at the center of your philosophy. Um, And it's something that I very much relate with, too. I've had a career in extreme sports and uh, now I coach Ninja Warrior. So I'm very much involved in these kind of creative, expressive forms of movement. And so I love this idea of listening to you guys in the pod saying sometimes you just go into the gym, you've got no plan, you don't know how long you'll be there for, you've not kind of put aside, you know, sets and reps, and you just move and you explore, and you actually find that because you've not set anything out, you experiment and you end up being able to do things that you never even thought about, you know? Um, But as you said there, Jackal, I guess there are people who maybe have... Um, and how can I put this politely, like quite um, linear goals. Um, and so for them or other people that are maybe um, not incredibly comfortable in a fitness environment and so they're there and they use it as a tool and it needs to be quite structured. Um, I think like, the question I would have for you guys is, is, it, is being able to get to that stage where you feel like movement, fitness, exercise, is play is that something we can all get to or do you think that that is just something that some people like you say like creative minded people um have and that some people just need that regimented kind of structured linear uh programs
3: yeah i think i mean i'm sure tim will have a a fair amount of insight into this as well you know my first the first thing that springs to mind for me on that is the fact that like let's appreciate that everybody is different um, we do that with our training programs. We have like structure there for people if they want something to follow, but then we also, it has the flexibility in it. it, it you don't have to do it on Monday and then on Wednesday and this day. Like we understand that, that, you know, there's not one perfect training program. Like it just doesn't exist of whatever it is that you're doing. You could take the two best strength conditioning coaches in the world and they would write a program for the same athlete with the same goals and it would be slightly different. There would be differences within there. Um, What's most important is that people um, have the freedom to f- and and experiment enough to find out what works and what resonates with them and what they enjoy. And what I think you'll find is that that also changes over time. Your goals are going to change. The amount of time you've got to train is going to change. And what you want out of your training is going to change. Um, and I think that uh, the biggest thing would be not not restricting yourself so much to never tried and just stepped out of the box and just tried something a little bit different. And it might be, you know, like, just be, like being honest about, like, my training at the moment is very unstructured. Tim probably will have um, more structure to his than mine at the moment, but there's been stages where I might go back into, I'm just enjoying a very unstructured thing at the moment. That's just what's working um, for me. It's not to say that that won't, won't change and go back, but, um, and it's for some people. Like I don't see. It, it's a great question, and the way it sort of positions a little bit of like the idea that like getting to that point is better than not doing it. And I don't sort of see it as like black and white, better or or not. I see it more as a here's some options. Like see how see what works for you. See what you respond to. See what you like. Most importantly, if you are bored and you don't like your linear, boring training program, but feel restricted that you're worried of like what happened, I'll lose my gains if I don't do this. Like you need to like give yourself the freedom to just step out and like have five minutes, ten minutes. Maybe it's just your warm-up is a little bit more play. You play around with some frog stands and you warm up for your upper body training. Like just start with little bits and see how see how it feels see how it fits. Exactly. I'm
1: thinking more sorry to cut you off again. No, no, no. I'm thinking more along the lines of people who are not like, you know, seasoned gym goers or seasoned athletes or or people who are involved in exercise for a long period. I'm thinking about people who are maybe trying to get into it through like let's just go with the straightforward simple weight loss goal, you know. Um and I would, like, I always try and start off and say to people, if, if exercise or the gym is something that they've actively avoided, or they've kind of labeled themselves as someone who doesn't, you know, I'm not a fit person. And um, I always say, find a movement practice that you enjoy, first of all. So Definitely. a sport or, you know, dancing or something as simple as walking. And sometimes you get the feedback from people who are like, don't enjoy anything and so their exercise has to always kind of be punishing in a weird way so i think like my question is more lines of like is that just is that what it is that's just what it is some people just will never find a a, an element of play in their in their fitness or is there a way that we can introduce that to to people who are new to the gym environment or the exercise environment
2: i've got a ton on this i'm about to wade in and i don't know how it's going to go let's find this back and go We can all play. Everyone can play. Everyone knows how to play because we all started to play. We all began to learn to move by playing and we learned social interaction by playing and social norms and hierarchy and all that sort of stuff. You learn who's stronger than you by playing like so we can all play. The fitness industry has just made exercise really boring and it's gone. Here's now a gym with loads of boring equipment, which only moves in one way. And we've now idolized, or we've become accustomed to making fitness as easy and mindless as possible by going, go in that gym and sit on that machine and do 10, then go on another machine and do 10 of those. Like that whole thing just got ridiculous. Exercise class is fine. I want to go somewhere, I want someone to tell me what to do. But those have also now become out of the box, off the solution, like solutions, which is fine. Like there's still play within them, but it's still structured. Where I think, the the power of it is, is, is you've got to, you've got to get rid of those shackles, which tells you and these social norms of exercise, it goes, I have to, when I go to the gym, or when I exercise, I have to behave in this way, because that's how everybody else is behaving. Now, when I started doing getting more into play, I would probably consider myself to be a playful person anyway. But when I went into the gym, I was coming off the back of having spent the last six or seven years in a strength and conditioning environment doing different stuff to what everyone was doing in the gym anyway so i didn't care what anybody thought because generally without trying to sound arrogant i was pretty confident that i knew more than most people that were in the gym because i was a professional working in the industry so for me to try something different wasn't that intimidating now to make that easier i had jacko with me it's much easier to look stupid when somebody else is making themselves look stupid at the same time and i was like we were just two mates having a good time i didn't really care (laughs) And then the other thing on top of this is we our community of people is incredible. Like there's pe- We've got everyone from 18-year-olds to a 73-year-old. Most people are 30, 35 upwards, and they're just coming back in because they realize that they want to move better, they want to get strong, and they want to have some more fun. They Our community of people do things that just continually inspire me, and the reason why it's it, they find their opportunity to flourish in a more play-like mentality is other people. No one goes to a parkour session and goes, well, I'm here to lift weights. You're not. You're there to do parkour. Like if you, if you want to get involved in calisthenics and you embrace this side of play, come and train with us because we, like we're running some live workouts at the moment. So people at home can stick Zoom on and the focus is one hour of play. And we're just going to teach you to play. And, and yeah, you're going to feel awkward to start off with, but you're in your own home. No one's watching you. It's a really safe environment just to step away from whatever you are normally doing, which might be boring you to tears. Like, I would, I would never do a session, which I find boring. Never. You might look at it and go, I don't want to do 10 sets of pull-ups Tim, but I'm having a great time. But like, the next session, I might just go and mess about with some handstands for 45 minutes. And that'll be my workout. That's what I'm going to do today. I think there's, I'm I, I more the more I f- feel about play. And there was one thing about play, one point he made before that I wanted to just touch on. If you look at how the human body is designed and created and how it moves and all the movement options that it's got, no one can tell me that rigid bodybuilding, sagittal plane front to back exercise is the best thing for the human body. It's not the human body has so much movement potential. So if we don't move in those different ways, we are basically losing the ability or what we are losing. What makes us primarily human beings and human movers So I I just think we've been taking down a a dead end in fitness because we know gyms don't work. Like not people aren't getting fitter and healthier, they're getting fattier and more unhealthy. Like we had one of our doctors that we work with a functional medicine practitioner. She was like, we've never been more sick. So what current fitness is doing is not making us better. We're getting worse or lifestyle is making us worse. So we need to shift our mentality. I've got quite passionate about that. I'm going to stop talking.
1: I was going to say to him, you know, when you ask a question and you want like an amazing answer, (laughs) you've just over delivered there. That was actually probably encapsulated about two years of me and Mitch's podcast in one. (laughs) uh, one Thank you. I,
0: I guess it's the same with nutrition as well, isn't it? I know we're going to kind of touch on nutrition. Nutrition's kind of a big passion of mine. And um, I feel like people believe that there is, I apologize, there is a little bit of banging in the background, if you can hear that on my microphone. And um, a lot of people feel like there's this one size fits all approach that everyone's searching for when it comes to the way that we eat too. And that's exactly the same with the way that you're talking about kind of exercise and play so in regards to kind of nutrition diet do you guys have like an ethos that you follow with this do you do you tend to kind of take your clients down a particular path or have you experimented with any of these kind of crazy approaches that are out there or even less crazy more kind of like intermittent fasting keto that kind of
3: stuff um let's uh, well let's go with the we'll talk we'll talk about these we've experimented for in the past um, yeah go for
2: it there's one good so, story about that but we'll um, that one, Jack.
3: yeah i'll say um mental uh, so our, our ethos or philosophy is like health first um that we believe that if a and i think it's hard to it's hard to argue against this So it's quite a nice belief to have that if my body is functioning as healthy as possible then the my performance outputs my recovery like are going to be better Rather than me only chasing a, um, a performance outcome where I might make decisions around my lifestyle and my uh, nutrition that aren't serving me and the health of my body in the long term. So we're sort of in it for the long game um, and believe that, yeah, health health first is the is the philosophy. Um, 've we've, uh, we've teamed up with um, a registered nutritionist dietitian Michelle meinking works in Pro sport out in America she's um, working in the MLS um, and we've got a course together with her where like all of our content it's there is the there's the finer detail of the recipes and the things that you can follow but there's also all the educational content for to help you understand what it is that you're trying to do there is um, a lot of that to allow us to like i said with the training programs that everybody is different so there's not as you said not one size fits all training program or nutritional whereas we can give you the information um, and help you along that journey to understand what is going to work right for you um and you know with michelle we've we've done we've, we've put together a, a nutritional health course that encapsulates all of that and there's there's you know this little lifestyle factors in there as well and everything from like gut health to body composition so talking about some of those different diets um, so that's all that's all sort of covered in there where we'll people with it's there for people um, we're not going to tell you um, what to eat on a monday tuesday wednesday thursday because that's not it's just it's just not realistic and it isn't it isn't serving us uh, all of us long term um so that's our sort of like philosophy around the nutritional side of it and it fits in you know with the whole thing of if we're focused on what we can do with our body rather than than how it looks well then i'm eating for health which helps drive that performance which helps me with my training goals my body is going to change um based on that right and and i will end up like you know if i'm eating well and i'm training well i'm going to my my body composition and how i look is going to change for the better um, but it's not my sole purpose it's like a it's like a byproduct that you're going to get off the back of it um
2: I think that the idea for me as well, like my training has always been based on using myself as an experiment. And I think there's so much and, and maybe that comes back to that play mentality. But what's it like to do intermittent fasting? I don't know. Like, well, I do know, but have a go. Like, so if someone's interested, try it. And and the only reason like my my nutrition is now, I would say for 95 percent consistent. I know what I need to eat. I know how much I need to eat. I know what I want to eat. I don't have issues around like binge eating or like i don't crave anything i actually crave healthy stuff because you just condition yourself over a period of time to just want to i don't want to eat rubbish um but a lot of it is like yeah we we tried some some random stuff and let's call them nutritional plans diet plans whatever but that's all it all leads you to a point where you go oh, i've really got a really good understanding now of what first principles of nutrition are and they're actually not that complicated we just we just love it when someone goes here's a really hard diet and it's really difficult to follow but you might look amazing you're like well and I, it's just experiment learn and this comes back to, to the point before jason as well but like just educate yourself like we've we place so much emphasis on on education and when someone comes onto our platform they'll be like gosh there's a lot of information and it's like yeah it is because we want you to understand why you're doing what you're doing if someone goes here's a 12 week nutrition plan what happens well 18 weeks later they've put back five kilos on because they've just dropped off off what they were being told to do whereas if you understand why you're doing what you're doing you can make lasting change change your lifestyle training is exactly the same should i do five reps or eight reps today or 10 reps well if you know what you're trying to achieve with that training session just like what are you trying to achieve with that whatever you're going to eat for a week then you the power is in your hands you don't actually need like coaches unless you need some accountability and some some additional and like to level up as you as you go further down that road
1: yeah it's that cliche give a man a fish and you know teach him about fish or whatever it is uh, i think, well, I think most kind of coach-
0: it's something like that right
1: um i think most coaches and we we say this all the time or not most coaches that's probably unfair but a lot of mainstream gyms at the very least um are not interested in educating their members um because as you say like if you give people that information then they can they can use it themselves the way they want to you kind of i mean it sounds a little bit gratuitous but they kind of want to keep them dumb you know they want to keep them coming back and just a you know a very literal metaphor on the treadmill um but uh, and, and i think what you've touched on there as well is is this idea of being fit for something why you're doing it and is the stuff you're doing uh, contributing to that end goal um which I must admit is a topic that you guys covered on your podcast a few weeks ago. That we just we stole, we stole it, we stole it, and uh, we, we discussed it? it. We discussed it last week. To be fair, we, we did to, say that we stole it. Yeah. Did you? Did you start Albert Einstein? I <laughs> <laughs> I think it was something about play. I can't remember what it was now. But uh, no, I probably even said it was Tim's quote. To be honest, you know, Tim, I'm doing good work for you here. Um, but I think that, that that's a good segue into. Talking about your podcast, which is where um, I discovered you, because um, you know I, I think a lot of people now might actually know you from your podcast without knowing that you know uh, that you actually have a business and that you're you're doing work elsewhere. How did the podcast come about? Um, is is the podcast something that you guys do um, just purely out of the enjoyment of it? Is it something that you see as valuable towards kind of marketing? um the school of calisthenics and also the most important one is would you do you have any advice for any fellow uh, fitness podcasters
2: I le- I, let me Jacko. i'm gonna let you give uh, some detail okay. on how we started it but okay. i'm just gonna, I'm gonna you know, a bit of a confession when jacko said like it was actually his idea to get kicked one off and he's like well, let's do a podcast and i was like we're gonna talk about calisthenics people won't go to see what we're doing like how are we possibly going to make that interesting um, and now I love it. But we, I let Jacko <laughs> tell the story. But it's it's become much more than a Callous Saints podcast, as you guys probably know. We just mm. we have guests on, and we sometimes just have a conversation between the two of us. But yeah, it, it started off from very very humble beginnings, Jacko, didn't it?
3: Yeah. Well, so we were. It was back in the day. I don't know. I could look at the the dates of the first one, but we we did um, we were doing a like a YouTube video each week. And we would alternate between like some sort of like tutorial style um, YouTube video and then a and a And we would just answer on YouTube um, questions that we'd have had in via email or via social media or whatever. And that's all it was. We'd like we'd pick two. We'd pick three three um, questions different topics and just and just answer them and you can watch some of those first ones back there. obviously still on our youtube channel and then after it was like after a, i don't know after how long after a while probably like six months or more i don't know after quite a while it was like why don't we just take the audio from them because it's basically a podcast like we're just talking like because we weren't actually sh- even when we were doing the q a on on youtube and you could see us we weren't actually really doing anything um and as Tim said, it was a bit like, oh, the... and anyway, so yeah, we uh, that's how the podcast started. It was just,
2: it was just the Q and A's. Um, and then... You used to have that one microphone, the one microphone that Jack has got now. We both used to take it in turns and talk into it. <laughs> and that's the,
0: exactly what we did. We did that as well. We'd kind of be cuddling up in my kitchen, talking into a microphone. It was great fun.
3: And we we were lucky that we'd um, get like our, our sort of following on, on social media and stuff had, had built up and on YouTube. So... People were, you know, when we put our first podcast out, like there was an audience there to listen to it, and so it it, it was getting uh, views or downloads, or whatever. And then, um, yeah, as our as as we sort of grew as a whole, the podcast grew with it, and we were just in a lucky a lucky position to be able to uh, yeah a lucky position to be able to reach out to some people as guests. I'm like, oh, let's try and get so and so on. As it would literally just be, it's like, oh, actually, I was really like Carl Paoli, like. I think he's flipping amazing. Let's see if he'll come on the podcast and like send him. And this just like sounds that. familiar. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing about Instagram, <laughs> isn't it? And, or the internet these days, you just reach out to them and go, "Hey, do you want to come on?" Like you know, we were able to say like you know, our podcast gets thirty thousand listens or whatever it, you know, and and people uh, want to come and talk to you know a, a like minded audience. Uh, I think the thing that's really uh, we probably we're looking at actually renaming the podcast because as Tim alluded to, there often it's not even that much about calisthenics at times because what we both love doing and it ultimately ends up becoming like just your own pattern it's like a, it's like the outwardness of, of what you like doing. So we love talking to all these different people within the health, fitness, wellness, like any type of expert isn't just, you know, we've had people like um Richie Norton and Patrick McKeon talking about breath work. We've had Sally Bell talk about functional medicine. We've had Carl Poli from the like the the movement crossroad, we've had breakdances, we've had all sorts of different people on from all different like spheres of, of health, fitness, training, whatever you want to call it. And you know, we I just see it as a massive privilege that we just get to listen to this person literally like firsthand and ask them our questions, you know, and, and other people are really enjoying being able to take that information on as well. But it's it's one of those sort of scratching your own itch um, and actually as long as when your itch resonates with other people, then it it seems to, it seems to do okay. So
1: long may. It- I think we feel exactly the same. It's it's a weird kind of selfish uh, thing to say, yeah. but it allows you to have conversations that you might not otherwise have had the opportunity to. Because yeah. I think I don't know. Sometimes in social situations, people think, oh, this is getting a bit, you know, citing um, facts and opinions and what have you. But when you sit down for forty-five minutes or what have you, and and just kind of riff on on something it gives you it kind of allows you to vent doesn't it and you kind of hope that that is entertaining to the listeners <laughs> yeah.
3: well there, there's so many people out there that like yeah just i'm just thinking of like the diversity of people we've had on the podcast and i'm thinking some of the ones we've got coming up like dana santos tim that's i think that goes out next week um we have well, more I have
2: out,
3: about, yeah i mean it's been and it's Good just talk to, that, to hear all these different experts' point of view. And the thing I really love doing is, like, even when they're from different areas, when there's, like, commonalities between them and you start joining them up together, I, it starts to form your own philosophy of going, well, if that expert, that expert, and they're all saying these things are all linked together, then I think that's, like, actually a really really important thing for my health and well-being as as an individual and how I want to live like my life that's what the podcast is a little bit more like for me now as it's growing it's it's becoming about how do we just like live our lives better Um, and, and training is a huge part of that obviously that's what we love doing but there is all these other elements to it as well
0: I like it. Yeah, I mean, you're just preaching a message of balance, aren't you? And that's what we absolutely love about it. We like to think that our ethos is kind of pretty similar to you guys. Every time we've kind of listened to episodes of yours, it it seems to resonate everything that you're saying. And we seem to be along the same path. So, I mean, we are always just happy to chat to other people that do kind of share a nice positive message within the fitness industry, because as you both know, unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there doing the opposite, whether it's kind of to intentionally confuse people or, Whether it's naivety, who knows? But it's uh, yeah, we we love doing our podcast. It means we get to chat to some great people. We've had like Dr. Giles Yo on. We had recently, who was just fascinating to speak to. And yeah, I mean, we're we're happy to take on any advice that you guys can give because you've you've clearly built quite a a successful outfit there.
2: I think that 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 feels like um, well, yeah, I, I would say from a from a from our perspective, as with anything, we haven't really. We've just kind of found our way through it. I wouldn't say that we've sort of like had a great master plan, and, and neither of us have signed up for start your first like number one ranks podcast, like audio, like online course. We just literally started talking, and and this is like for you guys, and and I think where uh, this is probably just going to go, I'm going to segue off and come back. You can talk with some level of depth and authority if you've actually spent some time on the cold face of whatever it is that you want to talk about. So there's so many internet coaches who have done very little face-to-face coaching, haven't tried things. How many programs have they actually written for actual people and then gone and delivered that and seen them right there, right then change or, or respond to whatever they've done. Like Jack and I have been coaching for as long as well, I've, I've started coaching probably when i was about 13 14 years old when someone made me the captain of the rugby team and i had to do a warm-up I and mean, that's been a, a common thread so sticking a mic on and, and saying what i think through what i'm now sorry from 40 years old so 30 something years of experience it, it, you've got you've got so much opportunity to share messages that you've actually thought about and actually done something with so f- for us we kind of just yeah, we, we we experiment all the time. We think about things. We're trying to learn. We get guests on. There's a lot of times that like we just put one out this week, which we call a spitball session because we just didn't know what it was about, but we just wanted to have a chat about some stuff. And and I think there's there's also I, I know there's a, there's a, there's a balance between over preparing. I think for some of this stuff, we'll always have a conversation. What do we want to ask? And we'll always do a little bit of research to find out roughly where we're we going to go with the conversation. But the amount of times that people come on and just go and bring something to the party and just go, here's a thought that I've got. And we're going wicked. Let's just talk about that. And half my page of notes, we don't even get to touch on. Um, so I think there's, there's that not wanting to make it perfect all the time and just letting the conversation go, because that's what we do when we normally engage with humans and, we don't go into a conversation with an agenda of these are things I want to talk about today. We chat and we see where it goes. And it's just communication at the end of the day. So I, I like it when it's like that. It's a bit raw. Let's just yeah. see.
3: Yeah, you get the rawness out of it, don't you? We've never had like set questions or
1: anything like that. Um, I think just one subject, like, isn't it? Anyone that listens to our show regularly that will know that being underprepared <laughs> um, comes with the territory, I think. We what is it? Raw, I like that. Raw raw energy, spontaneity, see what happens. Well, because then you find, then you actually, because then
3: you just get pure truth, because it's raw, it's not being prepared. It's like, oh, Tim has just said something that sparked this like, out of me, or the guest has just said something, like, that's just sparked,
1: so you like, let's just roll with it. Yeah, we've we've done interviews, I won't name any names in case that one person's listening, but um, where you're kind of reading the questions off a sheet, and you kind of feel like they're giving you the kind of stock answer. And it just feels very lifeless. Like you know, a, it's like not all inter- yeah, interview. Yeah, you know, exactly, you know, full yeah. of cliches, you know. Um, but I think, as you say, you've touched on there, I think the reason that people like podcasts in general is because it's conversational. Um, obviously, you know, it needs to go somewhere. But I think a lot of people love that feeling of almost kind of eavesdropping in on a conversation. And so when you remove that element from it, it feels very kind of hollow. Um, well, that's my philosophy anyway. The, yeah, I'm hoping right. that the listeners agree with that. Otherwise, we would probably tuned out now. And I think
2: we've, we've probably applied the same strategy to anything that we've got from an audience growth perspective as if we've just done it consistently for the last seven years. So we've since we started podcasting, we've put a podcast out every week. Since we started writing a blog, there's a blog gone out or there's been something on social. And, and I think that's the biggest thing about getting started is yeah, we're all super busy and you're trying to get a project started, whether it's a business or a side hustle or whatever you want to call it, a passion project. But there's, it's really easy to slip off of not delivering them and I have to say Jacko is is the nuts and bolts of that because he's he's very very good at making sure we deliver these things week on week off. It was I'm probably a little bit more scatty in that response of like I'll go and get distracted by something shiny over there and I'll just forget everything else. Whereas has actually got much more you like structure, don't you, Jacko? That's probably fair to say. So like making sure that we actually roll yeah. this stuff out helps to build that consistency and i know that most people don't listen to every single podcast but i know when i when i'm browsing for a podcast i'll flip down to see a a title that that i like but then there are people out there who every wednesday they send us a message going podcast on the way to work listen to it loving it and it's like that's it's cool but it's only you build that audience through being reliable in what we're gonna we're gonna offer them i think
0: That's awesome! Thank you so much for those tips, guys. And I know I, we were just chatting about kind of not having a script, but ironically, we're going to finish with a question that we did have pre-planned, uh, mainly because uh, both Jason and I obviously we're kind of uh, we've been in the fitness industry a fair amount of time. We're looking to kind of build um, kind of uh, the podcast, uh, getting that out there to build a bigger audience. We're looking to grow our own social media accounts. So, what is the one calisthenics move that gets the most amount of likes on Instagram?
2: <laughs> Go on, Jacko. Well, actually... Personally, for you, you probably have a better understanding of what, what you've put out that gets the most amount of...
3: Uh, um, well, no, I add... I just, weirdly, I'm just going to get it up, because I had I looked yesterday um, uh, in, you know, like it gives you on Instagram your... Um, I, I can't remember what it is now.
1: It gives you... Uh, I'm glad you're taking this jokey question. On, on the insights, I like uh, it. Go yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, it
3: was, um, over the last... want, matrix, yeah, yeah. We need metrics,
1: Shekel. Yeah, yeah. Give I'm me
3: gonna, numbers. Gonna, you're going to give me some numbers Yeah, here. here we go. Um... <laughs> Now, he, so is it a post of Tim or is it a post of Jacko? Here's your first question. Have a guess.
1: Uh, well, I wouldn't really I mean, want to suggest that somehow... Yeah, I'd feel really bad it's if I got it influenced wrong. It.
3: Yeah. Well, you've got a 50-50 chance and one of us is going to be pissed off.
0: <laughs> Seeing as you're talking, I'm going to say you, Jacko. Go for it.
1: Jason? Oh, God, see, I'm just hoping I can get away with that. I'm going to go with Tim. Just to, let's, do, let's do it. Correct.
3: So in, is, 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 is in the last... This is for the last year. So Sorry, Tim, Tim. Sorry, Tim. And it is four hundred thousand views. Um, and second is Jacko, but only one hundred and twenty thousand views. Wow. And is um, uh, handstand inspiration part two? It was like him doing these ridiculous ways to get into a handstand. It's absolutely sick. Um, so like a tiger bend, um, the roll up, what the worm one, and then um, and then like a like a Clanch type position, whereas mine was a human flag.
2: I was going to say that strength-based handstand work for me, like I can try and put something really, really thoughtful out on Twitter or, or something like that. And really kind of like, I'm trying to go deep with it. And then I just do a, a video of doing a handstand off a step or something, a handstand push up and it'll get like ultimately more engagement, which just tells you everything you need to know about social media. <laughs> but- oh yeah. I've
1: gone through a phase of, I used to try and write very poetic kind of copy in my Instagram posts. And then recently I've just, Been in a huff with it and just put like 14 seconds of me doing this and that's it just very literal and it gets more because some people just can't be bothered reading it can they they don't want to hear you i listen to you on a podcast every week for an hour i don't need to read a paragraph on your instagram post i I was (laughs) trying to do some
2: mini blogs on my instagram and just put quite a bit of time into them and i've not really i don't really use a lot my personal social media because just the school of calisthenics is enough in my like in my static in my brain um but I just I, I, I like with my wife again. We, we just kind of play around a little bit of photography, and I took a picture the other day of a cow down by the river, and I just put a picture of a cow, up and it said, and the caption was the original beefcake. Um, <laughs> it got it got it got the same amount of likes as it would do if I spent a day writing a blog post. I'm like, oh, I just take to a be fair. Cow.
1: That is quite witty, actually. <laughs> yeah,
3: I, I have just looked. It gives you the option to go two years back, and this is this is an interesting one. That um, this is deep research. Yeah, the the number one point 1. one million, and it is um from one of our old workshops um tim doing a frog to handstand but us explaining and coaching like why and how you do it which makes me feel good that actually is the and interestingly it's not all it's not the ones that are top and not the ones with like shirts off and stuff it's actually the one where we're providing um help and insight into and it was that was just recorded from my phone at a
2: workshop um, in your face I mean industry shirts on you've <laughs> yeah you've restored some faith in it a, thank you
3: at a uh at an actual uh, uh, oh, look at that
1: smooth an actual workshop yeah
2: But well, yeah you weren't supposed that answer were you
1: no look at that depth. Yeah. <laughs> i thought you'd laugh and say human flag to be honest
2: handstand <laughs> learn handstand push-up it's uh, it's one of life's great skills for social media
3: a, oh, a, sure sure. a human flag um, in a sleeping bag with your head on a pillow in a park, that did do quite well as a photo. Classic. We better get,
0: better get learning, Jason, for the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Come
3: on you
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I think we'll wrap that up there. Thank you so much, guys, for your time. Thank really, you, guys. Very, very I really appreciate it. Pleasure. So, I guess if we just kind of have, uh, if there's any, like, if you just let people know where they can find you, where they can find out more information about the School of Calisthenics.
3: Yeah, uh, website is school of and then all social media is like Instagram, school of Um, Facebook is ScorecastNX. Does anyone use Facebook anymore? Uh, Twitter <laughs> is School of Cali. Which you can't have if a long. You, if
2: you want access to our online training programs, you can go to classroom.schoolofcalisthenics.com, and that's, that's where our, our online learning platform is. You get training programs and engage with us through there and all sorts of stuff as well.
3: Yeah. We get, we can send can you. You can put the link in show show. Yeah,
2: we'll put links to it down uh, underneath the podcast
3: episode for people to check it out. People can, there's a seven day free trial with membership, so people can have a whole have a week and just play around and have a look at some of the, the programs and stuff in there and see if uh, see if it tickles your fancy. And if you want to join us uh, with some calisthenics training,
0: love it. Right. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, you have been listening to episode 73 of Just the Fitness Tip with Michael Ujoa and Jason Ald, Edinburgh's number one fitness podcast. And we will see you again next week.
1: Keep on tipping.